Hey friends, it's Melvin. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's just a few quick things I wanted to notify you guys about before we get started. First up, very soon, new episodes will be releasing Wednesday mornings rather than Tuesday. So don't panic if you don't see a new episode on Tuesday. Just wait a little longer and you'll see it in your feed. Second, we've introduced a mailbag. Check those show notes and toward the bottom you'll see a mailbag link. You'll then be able to text us any questions you might have about movies, the movie industry, or any movie-slash-Christian-related questions you might have. Then we'll respond in a future episode, so send us your questions now. Up next, Patreon polls, which are available to Patreon supporters at the $3 tier or higher, have been updated. Supporters can now suggest films or shows to be reviewed at the end of each month. The two most liked submissions will become the options for the Patreon poll, so if you want to hear us talk about your favorite movie or show, join our Patreon and start campaigning. And lastly, whether you're a new or long-time listener, please consider writing a review or rating the Cinematic Doctrine podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Apart from financially supporting on Patreon, these are the two most helpful ways to support the show. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. So Chris Darren was just telling me that he's been around sick people. So I'm wondering if we're recording right now, is it possible for the Delta variant to pass over the internet? Have you ha- have you heard anything about that? Hear that in any conspiratorial Facebook groups? Oh, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. The Epic Times is on it right now. Goodness <laughs> yeah. knows. Yeah. The Delta variant passes through the 5G airwaves. So don't record a <laughs> podcast or you'll get sick. That's right. <laughs> I should wear my mask while we're doing this. <laughs> there was there was a recording I did with somebody like I think it was last year, and I was like, "Oh, it feels weird not putting on a mask right now." Yeah, <laughs> like, I, like I'm really still can. talking to someone, and like something felt really strange. And oh man, I think actually, uh, Chris, I don't know if this happened to you watching Ernest Scared Stupid. There's a scene where they go into a mini mart, and my uh-huh. first thought was like. Oh man, this dates the movie not just because like the products they're selling, but because they're not wearing masks in public. <laughs> like, right? Like I, I know this movie was made before 2020. I've, I've thought about that every time I've watched a movie. Yeah, every yeah. time I've watched a movie or a TV show, it's like, how are they not wearing masks? Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. It's before they exist 2020. In a different world. Yeah. yeah, there was something I just watched that came out. I think last week it was that Netflix horror movie. There's someone in your house or something, and they go to a public place. They're in school and they're not wearing masks, and I'm like. Oh, that's because this was probably filmed in 2019. <laughs> so there's no way. There's no way. But anyways, anyways, Chris Sarin, good to have you back on the podcast. Thanks you for having on, me back. Been on two episodes, I guess, so far. You've been on a Hamilton one last year around this time. No, actually last year around summertime. And then we did Ernest Saves Christmas, which I always called Scared Stupid during the episode several times. <laughs> And now we actually get to talk about that film. So you get to refer to this one as Ernest Saves Christmas. Yes, I'm so happy. (laughs) It's my favorite Christmas movie right next to Ernest Saves Christmas. I don't know. There was a punchline I was going for and I couldn't find it, but it's okay. That's okay. You're the editor. You can cut that stuff out. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So before we get started, Chris, why don't you tell us about your show, your podcast, and uh, yeah, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah. So my name is Chris Starin. I'm the host of The Truce Podcast, which is a show that uses history and economics to try to understand how we got here and how we can do better in the Christian church. 
So a lot of stuff, like I'm working on a season about uh, how Christian fundamentalism came to be in the United States. And so you can find that anywhere you get podcasts or at trucepodcast.com. I feel like it was a super, super missed opportunity to not have you on the podcast in the beginning of 2021 to talk about a cowboy movie because you were oh, doing yeah. an entire series on cowboys and how right. the myth of the the American cowboy affected the Christian church. Can you explain a bit of that real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's funny, especially going to men's ministry, uh, that crops up a lot of time. There are certain couple of tropes that come up a lot in men's ministry. So like Teddy mm-hmm. Roosevelt, Winston Churchill, mm-hmm. those guys come up, but so does the cowboy and sort of the John Wayne thing. So uh, I interviewed uh, the author of Jesus and John Wayne, Kristen Cobes Dumay, and uh, we talked about how that myth has gotten into the, the American church. And then carried it out through history and to see what the American West was really like, because the American West is really nothing like what we sell it like. But it is actually, funny enough, represented kind of well in some movies. So like Once Upon a Time in the West, uh, which is my favorite Western, and uh, it's about a woman who is having the, the railroad come through and going to acquire her land and their fight against that. And so it is sort of a big corporation against one person kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, which happened a lot because a lot of cowboys worked for big corporations back in the day. And so then carried that idea through to the modern West and how big corporations and ultra wealthy people are still uh, using their money and government influence to push poor people out of places like Wyoming, which is where I live. And then ultimately asking the big question of uh, now that we know that, uh, what do we do about the myth of the cowboy? And then also, uh, what do we do? Is it a sin to be wealthy? Which is you know one of those big questions we it's never crazy. ask in the Christian yeah. church, even though there are a bunch of Bible verses about it. Um, yeah. So it's it, it's a tough question that I don't have a, a tidy answer to, uh, but it, it is a really important question. Yeah, and I think I really appreciated that episode in particular. Oh, I am, um, I think listeners of the Cinematic Doctrine podcast are no stranger to the fact that I am definitely an eat the rich kind of guy. So tuning into a podcast, <laughs> a Christian podcast, where basically I'm not going to say that it was that because there okay. might be listeners of Truce who are like, "Oh, that's bad. You can't eat the rich." Because... I, I'm not an eat the rich guy, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Just FYI. But... <laughs> I I am the the rich guy. Yeah. Uh, but it was just enjoyable to listen to something where, you know, uh, it makes sense why churches would be scared to talk about it when right. you know that a lot of churches are are heavily dependent on the finances financial support to right. pay for their buildings that they sometimes are stuck with because mm-hmm. they got this building 40, 50 years ago, and then the church got smaller because of social change. Right. And now you're 80% of your tithing money and support money is going to this building that's only used one day a week. Right. And you're just, you, you, you have to be careful. But then you can already see how Satan would take advantage of that through uh, temptations and fears and worries to to make you not perhaps cover something that might be a damaging system in your community. And so I enjoyed your episode talking about it because your guest especially just like really was like, no, let's talk about this and really get into it. And yeah. I thought it was really pr- impressive how you tied it in with the myth of the cowboy to the myth of financial success and yeah. um, was really fascinating. And also just sad. The one section where your guest, I forget his name, but he said these people say that they have friends but then right. it just turns out they're just middle wage workers or low wage low income workers who are just being nice because 
that's what you do in the service industry. You're just right. nice to people, um, sometimes reluctantly. So, yeah, just a fascinating episode and series. In fact, I I will. I think I told you I was disappointed when you said, "Yeah, I finished that season." I was like, "What? I'm so ready to hear more about Cowboys." <laughs> I was loving yeah. this. This is great. Yeah. It's oh, it's man. tough, you know. You got to move on every now and then making the yes. shows, but yeah, his name is Justin Farrell. He wrote a book called Billionaire Wilderness, which is excellent, and the audiobook is very good as well. And uh, it, it, it basically looks at the myth of the West as it as it appears where I live in Teton County, Wyoming, which is mm-hmm. the wealthiest county in the United States. Uh, so yeah, much wealthier than than Manhattan, believe it or not. But because it's it. used as a um, a tax haven for the ultra wealthy, mm-hmm. so it's a it's a really interesting concept, and it, it's made me look at the place where I live in a totally different way. I and believe it, especially as the real estate market has changed so much, even under the COVID years. So it's uh, it's it, it's gotten even more pointed as, as it's gotten more expensive. Did Teton County show up in the Pandora Papers from like last week or whatever? It's possible. I haven't gotten a chance to really look into it because I've been kind of busy with some life stuff. Oh, but, I uh, believe it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which uh, that's a tangent that no one is going to care about, so we won't talk about it. Right. But... I thought this was a movie podcast. <laughs> that's right. I'm so much more interested in society than movies. That's why I like that's. I just need to have some sort of offshoot Sindoc show that's just just topical whatever but there's there's definitely ideas they're always there but anyways we're here to talk about a very important movie called Ernest scared stupid which i have to tell you i got at the library and at at blockbusters several times a year not even specifically just during halloween but like when i was a kid this is one that i got all of the time wow does it hold up Yes. Oh, yes, there's a pause yes, there. It does. Like... No, it kind of does. I had to think about it. <laughs> it was um I've been having these strange experiences where like I'm ex- I'm remembering things from my childhood but only in part. So like I talked to a coworker about Cinderella movies and I was like I remember this one where there's a market and someone gets into a fight and one of them falls over and then there's a lot of singing. And then my coworker is just like, I know exactly the one you're talking about and starts listing it off and then sends me a text with this, the song from it. And there's, there's some, uh, I think Whitney Houston was in it. And so it's just like, I'm like, I, I have half memories. They're like someone else's memories. Like I'm a replicant and they were implanted it in my brain or something. <laughs> and and this is one of those movies or scared stupid where as I'm watching it, I'm going, this is my first time watching it, question mark. Oh, right. <laughs> I feel yeah. like I, I've seen it. I've literally seen it probably over 30 times, but this is the first time in 20 years that I've watched it. So. Right. Yeah. It's and crazy. They don't always hold up. Movies don't always hold up and they age differently. You know, uh, yes. I was watching a little bit of Casablanca the other day and just the way that they, the, the pattern of how fast they talk and they're just spitting out all sorts of exposition that you're like, oh, I'm supposed to pay attention to all this, this stuff. We don't really do yeah. that as much anymore. Um, but that was just something that happened in that time. And the comedies in the early 90s, they could have the most ludicrous possible. Uh, setup, and then they could have terrible actors and still get away with it. Oh, yes. Of which Ernest Scared Stupid very much gets away with it. Although I guess technically I was reading some trivia and the box office shows it didn't entirely get away with it. No. But mm. I um but man, I don't know. I'll just be first off to say it before we even open up the movie itself, but I enjoyed this way more than than <laughs> Saves Christmas. I really, what? really did. I thought wow. this had more of a plot than Saves Christmas. Saves yeah. Christmas sort of was like empty and it was fun. 
But um, because, again, it was another movie where Santa's in jail, which I just love as a trope. But yeah. like, but yeah, I definitely I you texted me because you saw this before I did yeah. for this rewatch. And you were like, man, it doesn't hold up. And everyone's trying their best. And that's really <laughs> endearing. <laughs> and, and then I'm watching. I'm like, hey, they're trying their best. And it's really fun. Yeah, good. <laughs> good. So... Hey there, it's your friendly neighborhood call to action. Just checking in on you. Hope you're doing all right. I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Wait, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S., and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, I thought this was like a hobby thing. You it's want to me to... expand Cinematic Doctrine. You know right, this already. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, <laughs> I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to early uncut episodes of the podcast. Oh, and did I mention, you get to tell us what to do. That's right, each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Anyways, I gotta run, so I'll see you guys later. Well, we should we should definitely open up this movie. What? Because there might be some people listening that are just like Ernest. I know Ernest, and they don't know what the heck they're talking about, which is right. weird. I'll first say because I feel like I feel like I know a lot of people who watch Ernest movies. They just forget that they've watched them until you bring it up. But right, um, Chris, why don't you go ahead and introduce what the heck this movie's about? Right. So this is a movie about Ernest P. Worrell, who is a redneck, uh, kind of a. A little bit of a dimwit, uh, but a big heart. <laughs> and he is a trash man in a small town. And like a lot of movies in that era, he befriends a bunch of children and they end up being <laughs> his friends. And that's not creepy because it's the early 90s. That's right. And that's right. Uh, together, they, he, well, there was this curse that was placed on his family, on the Worrell name. And there was a troll that was buried at the bottom of this tree as sort of its prison. As long as it wasn't disrupted by a Worrell, then it was fine, you know, then the, 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 it would stay dormant. <laughs> yeah. But of course, Ernest is a nincompoop and they end up building a tree house in that tree. And, uh, and, and then the troll comes back and starts stealing the souls of children in order to <laughs> feed his babies. It's and scary. <laughs> it is surprisingly scary. But again, it's the early 90s. So you think about right. children's movies at that time, uh, it, they were scary. I, I think about like, Again, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is maybe my favorite movie of all time. When when Judge Doom gets rolled over by that steamroller, I mean, that is terrifying for a child. <laughs> Absolutely. And then he comes back to life. Oh, my goodness. But, uh, yeah, so the, ultimately the town has to rally together after, of course, nobody believes Ernest. And the children <laughs> and Ernest save the day. 
yeah, I, I had a good time with this one, honestly. I don't know. It had it just it's just endearing and it's fun and it's cute. And I like the special effects and I like the suits, which I found out, thank you, IMDB, that the same people who worked on the special effects for this movie also did killer clowns from outer space, right. which just felt really nice. <laughs> um, and even some of, I feel like some of that comedy kind of bled through, but only during the third act. Yeah. But also speaking of comedy, I thought this movie was also really funny too. I think it had that quality of funny to talk about, but not necessarily funny to watch. Right. So like there were jokes that landed that I thought were funny and I chuckle in my head, but it's like when you text somebody, LOL, but you're not actually laughing out loud because no one ever does. Cause like there's a part where like they're talking to, it's basically Yzma. I forget the character's name, but with the kid's character Uh who now I'm scrolling down IMDb to find out old lady Hackmore and old lady Hackmore does something goofy and Ernest is just like, don't worry about it. She's a Gemini. And like, I don't know. That was just like nice. <laughs> that was like a cute, quick line. And there was a couple others that were really, really, really good. There was the um, he doesn't know when to quit set up oh and payoff. Where like the best. He's saying like, oh, I remember I would just keep going and going. And I even remember in school that I was I got in trouble. And the, the teacher told me I never know when to quit. So they do a cutaway. And it's almost like. It's almost um, what's the director? It reminded me a lot of Thirty Rock, actually. If you remember the TV Rock. show, yeah, I they, do remember Thirty Rock. They would do yeah. a lot of quick cutaways, and so they they do this quick cutaway, and Ernest's teacher is standing there, and he, and Ernest as a kid is writing on the blackboard something like, uh, "I never know when to quit." Or never something. knows when to quit. Yeah, and then uh, she slaps him in the back. Of the- <laughs> yeah, it's great, and it, yeah, I, I found it. I did it. It was Wes Anderson. It looks literally oh, yeah. like bright colors like pastel look just for a cutaway from a movie that doesn't have any visual profile. Right. So it's just like out of nowhere. And then later in the movie, when Ernest is just like, like the third act is coming together and there's trolls everywhere and everyone's being attacked and terrorized. And if this was a rated R movie, it'd be way more violent. And Ernest just starts going off on like bowling. And then like, he doesn't, even stop a troll he just fails and then he keeps going and going and going and going and it just hard cuts and does the he never knows when to quit again and i'm like this is really smart stuff what the it heck is. why is why is siskel and ebert giving this two thumbs down what's going on i thought this was great so i don't know did did that work for you this comedy i don't know it, it works for me in a way but it, the earnest movies rely so heavily on one or two actors carrying the entire film and it's you know it's always jim varney who plays Ernest, and he's right, he's at least like three of his them. heart out yeah in the whole thing and then they end up getting these b-list actors maybe c-list actors like the kids in this were terrible yeah uh, actors not not the worst i've ever seen but they right. they, they were really close to some of the mm-hmm. worst i've ever seen in a movie uh but uh there's there's lines like how about a bumper sandwich booger lips uh he yeah. shouts just before they run run the troll over with a truck <laughs> i like that scene i thought that was a good action that was scene my favorite good scene. choreography they like yeah. they start in the car and then he climbs through the car and then he climbs on top of the car it's like hey like they had a director or like a second set i don't actually i wouldn't even know if they would have a second coordinator but like a um 
they had someone clearly come on to say, what's a creative way to do this action scene? Right. And they did it. I thought it was great. That was really good. Yeah. Well, and the I, I always love the idea that of, a, of an animal doing something that there's no way it could ever do, but rim shot the dog. He's like uh, driving. Is, he's yeah. driving this truck. <laughs> it can even put it in reverse and run over the run over the troll. It's just such yeah. a rit- I said to my wife, I was like, we need more sidekick animals in movies like this, oh, yeah. but they're not CG. Like they're just real animals, but they can't treat them badly because I know that that's a big thing now and that's totally valid um, with some of the stuff you see in Hollywood. But like, (laughs) hard cut to another horror movie. It's like one of the best actors in The Thing is the dog. Oh, really? (laughs) the dog. The fact that they have the dog do these these actions and these motions throughout the movie before it turns out to be The Thing is so like what makes it so fun. And then, yeah, I know that's a total different kind of dog performance, but like, it's just sweet. So I don't know. I love that. That was great. Rimshot. Rimshot. Where's his Oscar? It's not his Oscar campaign right now. Yeah. And he was only in two of the Ernest films. He was in this one and he was also in Ernest goes to jail and that's it. So it's, I don't know what happened to Rimshot, but I know that as a filmmaker, because I used to make uh, independent Christian films, animals are the hardest thing to work with. Oh, um, I so bet. We we made uh, my senior film in college. We worked with an elephant um, and had <laughs> all these shots with an elephant in it, where it had to like lay down and pretend to be dead and stuff. It was it's a dark film, but uh, we <laughs> we had the elephant trainer there, and it was remarkable what a good trainer could do. Oh yeah, to get that elephant to do it. But uh, dogs and cats are way more unpredictable. I believe it. So I, I imagine just as a production thing, if you're trying to cut back on the difficulty of the film, especially because they lost their deal with Touchstone after making this movie. Yeah. I, I imagine they were trying to cut back on the complexity of the films to make it a little more manageable. And you said he was in the prison one, right? Yeah, he was in Ernest Goes to Jail. Was Ernest Goes to Jail right before this one? Yeah. So they were probably planning to keep a dog motif, like his little partner rib shot. And then right. I guess, yeah, I just can't afford it anymore. That's such a bummer. Yeah, What a shame. Is. It is a bummer, but I mean, that's the way those things go. And it's actually kind of, I, I don't know, indicative of this this series it, that it, it's always been this scrappy little thing. They started out making TV commercials, as we talked about with the right. last one, and low budget, usually one shot. They'd film multiple a day, just scrappy, you know? And then even after they lose their deal with Touchstone, which was a Disney company, they keep going and they did another theatrical release with Ernest rides again and then eventually went to dvd or to video and uh, which i understand because i went straight to video with all of my films sure but, uh, uh, totally logical choice back in those days especially at the you know uh, with the ubiquity of vhs and dvd copies mm-hmm. um there wasn't necessarily a need with their name to go theatrical again but uh, yeah. they kept going even though they lost that big name it was kind of amazing them yeah and i think i remember reading that a lot of what helped with the Ernest franchise was blockbuster and stuff like that where like because because honestly blockbuster is not as fantastical as we all remember it being because (laughs) half the time whenever you went the movie you wanted wasn't there because everybody else wanted it too right but you could always count on Ernest because they always had like 12 copies of each movie on one particular section in fact i'm picturing it right now yeah um where it was just like and it was always closest to the checkout and so it was almost like they knew, like, ah, whatever, I might as well leave. And as you're walking out, you're like, well, I'm here. I might as well pick up another Ernest picture <laughs> that I haven't seen before. At least it's kid-friendly or something like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, they were kid-friendly. They were light. They were funny. Um, but uh, they, they were also 
I don't know. But they started with E, so you get that, and alphabetically that works out really well because you're mm-hmm. towards the beginning of the line. But there was something about walking into a, a movie rental store and just being able to browse all of them because on Netflix and things, you can't even find all the films. You like you have to search to find all the films, or you like my movies yes. are on Hoopla, and uh, I can't find them by going through their menus. I have to type it in and search. Um, so there's a different experience. So it's much more curated now. Yes. Than it was back in the day. You could just like you could just walk through every aisle, which is you know? comfy. Except for the adult films, they were all out in front. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, which which was just us more comfy to like be able to go into a Best Buy and walk around. I mean, I <gasps> rewatched Scream, which was actually my f- wife's first time watching Scream, and that one obviously is such a focus on movies as a concept kind of movie anyway, almost to its own fault. Right. Um, but this isn't a scream review, but, uh, <laughs> in, um, in scream, one of the scenes is in a, a movie rental store and it's just like, all the colors are nice. And I don't know, as movie guys, it's kind yeah. of comfy to think there's a place where it's like, it's just a magical place of movies of all kinds and rentals and one's collecting dust, but you can't wait to see it. Cause one of your friends said it was great. Even right. though, no one's seen it before. I don't know. That's all That's all great. That's why I'm always bummed when I go to the mall and I visit my FYE and the DVD section is just gone. It's right. all just pop vinyls and t-shirts like Hot Topic, which I'm not against because because of reasons. But like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just crazy. I don't know. It's Ernest is comfy is really what it gets down to. And I was when I was watching this one, I was just so happy. <laughs> just this is one of yeah. the happiest moments of my weekend. Honestly, was watching. Not that I had a bad weekend. I actually had a really nice weekend, but it was just so sweet to kind of I don't know, Ernest movies are just innocent and soft and and totally inoffensive. Right. And 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 even when they garner on potentially offensive, it's almost like this sweet accidental, like a child saying a curse word because they heard your uncle say it, and you they don't know. I don't know what they're saying. Right. So it's just kind of sweet. Um, also, I thought it was funny that when they kill the trolls, they just turn into like gory, bloody bones. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> didn't expect that. And then I remembered, I was like, oh yeah, when I was a kid, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's it, there's something to be said about a real bad comedy. Well, you know, not bad, but like low class comedy, especially yes. when you're going through stuff. I had kind of a, a hard few weeks coming up here. I might just lost my grandma to COVID, and so went to the funeral. And then on the flight there was when I rewatched Ernest, uh, um, Scared Stupid, and uh, to be able to see some of those great scenes. Actually, my like I said, my favorite scenes where they run the troll over with the truck. And uh, to to be able to see that scene again and be like, you know what? Life is for the living. You know, let's live it. And it's so what if you like something that's low class like this? You know, it's great. You can just enjoy it and have a good time and be silly. Because I think one of the great joys in life is being silly. And Mm. and it gets looked down upon in our world sometimes. Um, I think that why there's this whole sort of class of people who really love Larry the Cable Guy and Mm -hmm. those that don't. You know, it's like <laughs> people are like, yeah, it's lowbrow. I get it. It's lowbrow. <laughs> he knows it's lowbrow. Yeah. <laughs> but you just walk into it and enjoy it because I think we all kind of know a Larry the Cable Guy. Totally. Or are related to a Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's just it, there's something very sweet about living in that world. You know, well, comedy's fun. And comedy also takes a lot of talent. I am. Um, 
since uh since the office is off of Netflix and nobody cares about it anymore um I've been purchasing it on v- on Vudu and um so I can just do a, a rewatch myself which by the way if you buy it on Vudu there are scenes that they edited out of the Netflix cut and the Peacock cut that are still in it oh, wow. there's um there's an introduction it's a Halloween introduction where they're going through the warehouse and it's a spooky warehouse and it was cut from the basically at the end it's a bunch of kids on a ride and daryl's narrating it and they're all in costume and then at the end michael scott's like you'll see me at the end and then he kicks off a chair and he hangs himself and then he doesn't die and every the joke is that daryl and everybody's like not cool there's kids here and michael's like come on it's funny and that's the joke because it's not actually funny it's yeah. just terrible but they cut that because there was backlash when it aired and so if you watched it on Netflix, you never saw this scene. Um, I've never ever. seen it. Yeah. And, but if you buy it on Vudu, they have it there. But unfortunately, also, one of the uploads that they have has an error and there's a glitched <sighs> part of the scene. And I was like, is this because I'm streaming? And I rewound it and it's no, it's just because they uploaded it and they never fixed it. Wow. Um, so, know that there. But, anyways, as I'm watching it, I'm really soaking in the performances. And, like, part of what makes Michael Scott, Steve Carell, so great is that. He's playing a comedic character using drama talent. He's right. really drawing on emotions of pain when and whenever <laughs> whenever Michael Scott feels pain, which is usually in really dumb ways, like when he burns his foot um, right. and stuff like that. And when I'm watching Ernest, when I'm watching how um, how this character is performed, when I'm scrolling down to see his name, when I'm seeing Jim Varney perform as Ernest and carry through so many different emotions or as different characters, or even in the beginning when he's playing the priest that that puts the troll into the, the ground, I'm like, this is a really, really, really talented actor. He <laughs> Which is. we talked about during um, Saves Christmas even, where I was like, whoa, this is like, he's got a wide range that what he's essentially doing is funneling all of his talent into comedy. It's not that he's using comedy as some sort of like backup or, Oh, I have to be funny because I can't perform. It's like, no, I'm funny because I can perform. He's incredible. Yeah. It's I'll say it again. Like I said, last time I wish he was still around so we could see him in some more dramatic roles or something like that. He'd, he'd be, He'd be really fun to watch. Well, and same with Eartha Kitt. It's it's unbelievable how good she is in this role, oh, even yes. though her lines are so stupid. So uh, stupid. Like, it's just not well written. We're going to have to collect the heart of a child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just and like, okay, never talk about that again. <laughs> she just sells it. And for anybody who doesn't know, again, she was the voice of Yzma on Emperor's New Groove. And, yeah. uh, and the casting director for the Emperor's New Groove was the casting director for Ernest Scared Stupid. Cute. Which I thought was super cool. Yeah. Uh, but she was also really famous for singing the song Santa Baby, uh, if anybody remembers that song. Oh, Excellent fun. song. Yeah. Love it. And so she's got a, a real unique voice and a great delivery. But uh, both she and Jim Varney remind me a lot of Will Smith, who can deliver any line convincingly. Uh, <laughs> yes. Will yeah. Smith has been in some movies with some terrible dialogue. Yes. And the man can deliver it. Like it's like, you know, the Academy Award winning script. He's just incredible. It's crazy. Yeah. So even when uh, Ernest is trying to push Miak, you know, the, the fake food. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so in the, in the story of the, 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 the movie, milk is the thing that is supposed to kill the trolls. But Ernest misreads it as Miak, M-I-A-K, which it turns out is a fake food. And there are a bunch of websites on the internet about Miak. 
<laughs> just because of this movie, probably. Just because of this movie, yeah. And you can they actually sell t-shirts online for Miak, uh, which I think is hilarious. And I was very much tempted to buy one. And uh, <laughs> just it, for this episode. Just for this episode. <laughs> but it, his commitment to the Miak is just incredible. Uh, just incredible. It's a good setup and payoff. There's yeah. a lot of good setup and payoff. I'm sure reading this script was fun where right. you're kind of just sitting at home, you're drinking your hot chocolate. You're like, I'm already cast in this movie, so what does it matter? <laughs> and then you're getting to these payoffs and you're like, this is great. I can't wait to see how they handle it. And they right. handle it well. Yeah. And the funniest, the absolute funniest joke is when one of the trolls eats a bunch of bullets oh, right. and then another troll hits him with like a baseball back in the back of the head and the trolls just start shooting bullets out of its mouth. And it's like, all of this stuff is great, which frankly, I wish there was more of. I yeah. wish like the lead troll, Trantor, did a lot more goofy things. I think it would yeah. have been fun if he channeled more, you know, F- Freddy than, I no. guess, semi-Jason, where he's just trying to be intimidating. Because you can't be you can't be intimidating when you're that, you have that bad of a cold and that much boogers running down your nose. Right. I guess you're intimidating to a bunch of kids. But, right. but yeah, like having much more Killer Clowns-esque scenes would have been, I think, more enjoyable. But then it's just too much energy because... You got Ernest P. Worrell just hamming it up the whole time. I don't know if we could handle two of them. Right. Well, and they they said that one of the reasons they think that this film bombed is that it was too scary. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah well, which makes sense to me because there are a lot of moments that are pretty dark in in the film. And the other movies, the other Ernest movies were not that at all. So I think people coming in were probably a little bit surprised to see this in an Ernest yeah. film. But uh, good for them for going for something. So, But it's a, it's a really hard thing to a hard line to walk because I think one of the other great sort of Halloweeny films is like the the original Adams Family and Adams Family Two, Adams Family mm-hmm. Values. Mm-hmm. Those films like they they have this really dark subject matter where like the bad guy in Adams Family Values gets uh, electrocuted in an electric chair at the end, <laughs> and it's hilarious. And it's is that the same one where um, Wednesday and her brother Pugsley they don't yeah they don't want the baby the new the new yes. sibling so they have a guillotine like set yes. up for the kid <laughs> so, <laughs> i remember that every time i'm like what was this movie i watched <laughs> honest to goodness so adam's family 2 is one of the very best comedy films of its era it is so <laughs> funny uh, as an adult like I, I don't know if kids get all the jokes but as an adult it is ludicrously funny but uh, and the character of Debbie is just like the best bad guy in the end. Anyway, so <laughs> but but you know they they walked that line really well, and Ernest maybe didn't as much. Uh, it was maybe a little bit too scary, uh, and that's just a really yeah. hard line to walk between like making it fun for kids and and making it too scary. Like the Goosebumps kid, the books when like when I was a kid were a, a big hit and people loved them. Um, and it was, you know, acceptable, but they weren't really scary, scary, you know, yeah. that was a really hard line for Arl Stein to walk the guy who wrote him. Yeah. I mean, you figure Trentor is like a Wendigo. He can speak in the voices of people you like. And so yeah. you would think you're safe and then you're not. That's a pretty scary concept to think about, yeah. especially if you're a kid and you're just becoming more aware of your senses and you just, when, when you finally realize, oh my gosh, I don't have eyes on the back of my head. And so right. I have no idea what's behind me at all times. <laughs> it's so just that idea, then thinking, you mean my parents are calling me, but it could be a monster? That's terrifying. Yeah, I think I remember as a kid thinking like parts of it were scary. But of course, that's what drew me to the movie is like right. growing up, I wanted to be scared. Like every every kid I know enjoys being 
scared a little bit. Like whenever I watch movies like this, I joke with my wife and I'm like, ha there is the part where Mason just freaks out. And then he thinks, oh, that was so scary. That was so fun. Mason's one of my young uh, brother-in-laws. And so I don't know. I th- it's like, it is a fine line because yeah. you want to make something scary for kids because that's a demographic that wants to be scared. That's why right. we like sitting around telling campfire stories when we're super young right? and, and when we're old even. How, how do you, you know, that's an interesting subject to kind of think about, especially as Christians in Christian communities that are afraid of the concept of fear and afraid of feeling unsafe. How do you feel about that with something like Ernest, which frankly, when it comes to a series of films, comedy films even, um, that are accessible to basically everyone on the planet under the sun. Um, how do you feel about it essentially going from four movies, including a prison movie, I guess, which could <laughs> arguably not be totally appropriate? Um, <laughs> it's a pretty sanitized prison, though. I'm not going to lie. No, I'm I'm actually okay with it. Uh, a little bit yeah. of fear. And it's one of those things that in the Bible, we do teach the kids a lot of really scary things. So you think Noah's in the ark. Noah, Noah in the ark. The whole world scary. being flooded and yeah. everybody dying. I mean, like, what can be scarier than that? The lead character of the Bible is crucified, and it's recounted four different times. The Bible yeah. itself is scary, but in a way, it kind of prepares kids for the real world mm-hmm. and, and for the study of history and things. Um, I mean, there's also a lot of sort of you can use this if you really want to stretch it you could go into sort of biblical parallels there's one tree in the woods that they're not supposed <laughs> what a to stretch go to <laughs> do it know. take the stretch <laughs> let's get some yoga in here <laughs> yeah well you know there's one tree that that Ernest is not supposed to go to and of course it's the only creepy looking tree in the woods it's awesome and uh, <laughs> and of course that can be you know a stand in for the, the the trees in the garden of eden uh, so you, you've got things like that. There's also this idea of a curse being on somebody. Uh, so you, which is an idea we don't talk about that much from the Bible, but Cain is cursed uh, to roam the earth, you know. And Ernest was, well, Ernest's family line was cursed with this troll affliction. <laughs> yeah, it was every every subsequent generation. One of them will be dumber and dumber and dumber <laughs> and hard cut, and it's Ernest P. Worrell, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's awesome. But he also has all these. There's this um, thing. I I I don't know how the script was written and then how it compares to the movie. But why I think they added a lot of jokes in, in, in post-production with uh, ADR where they went back and just there's, recorded. There is a lot voice. of ADR. I don't it know which ones are like jokes, a, but yeah. 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 Um, so there's one where he, for, when he, for, when Ernest first sees the troll, he yells, and this is an ADR boy. I show boy. I sure ah, I can't even say it. Boy. <laughs> I sure hope you're from Keebler. Which is just like, oh yeah, yeah well, I sure hope you're from Cable, and it's just like this really quick little line. It's just so ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, and then there's the end where like the milk kills all the baby trolls, and but it doesn't kill Trantor, and the only thing that can cure him is love. And so there's this ridiculous scene <laughs> where Ernest does a waltz with the troll and then kisses him. 
and it's uh, and wild. Then, then it explodes. <laughs> yeah, then it head explosion. It's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and it, you can kind of, if you want to, tie into there that it is ultimately love that conquers evil, and uh, that like <laughs> like Jesus's sacrifice, official act of love, is what conquered evil in the Bible. So if you wanted to, you could pull some biblical parallels out of this film, though it's a oh, bit of a stretch. Um, there's, I mean, there's also references to the Godfather in this thing, so that's. You know, <laughs> there are references there. to so much in this movie. It's there crazy. really are. Yeah. I mean, so like the reference to the Godfather, there's a little girl who's like tucked into bed and her mom's like, don't be afraid. It's okay. There's no yeah. such thing as trolls. Yeah. yeah okay, then, mom. <laughs> and then she like turns over and in her bed, there's a troll there, which made me think about that horse head in the tra- in the, in the bed thing <laughs> from the Godfather. Uh, and that also was a very scary scene. That I is thought. really scary. Yeah. Yeah. That's a freaky idea of yeah. like you're just in your bed and then some stranger is in it. I mean, that's going to come close to home for a lot of people. So yeah, I think that's pretty scary. And there's oh, even there's uh, interesting questions of multiple personality disorder um, in this because which is kind of in the news right now. I don't know if you've been seeing. I there's um, Split, the Shyamalan movie. I think yeah. it's on Netflix again. And a buddy of mine was messaging me that there's kind of like a petition saying, "Hey, Netflix, don't put Split on here because it." is continuing Hollywood stereotypes and um, bad perspectives on people with disassociated behaviors and, and disorders, which is valid. Um, I don't, hmm. I don't think that the movie was made with that in mind and also horror movies hyperbolize everything. And so right. like, are we just going to say Baba Duke should be taken off because Baba Duke hyperbolizes depression? Not really, <laughs> but also, so I get it. And so, yeah, I thought about that a little bit watching this movie because the whole Ernest character, it's not that he dresses up as other characters in the other movies, specifically in Ernest Saves Christmas, to be another character. In this movie, it's treated like Ernest is like 10 different people <laughs> right. at once. And the way they do it is really funny. I yeah. like that it was just like treated as though they were there. But yeah, they yeah, they do sort of play with that a bit in this movie there's a, a point in which he's trying to explain he's trying to encourage the little boy that they can go and do battle with this troll and so he tells him the story of the Botswans versus the ottoman empire which mm-hmm. by the way i had to look up is completely false <laughs> <laughs> didn't happen nice job Ernest. <laughs> yeah nice job uh, because uh, the ottomans did occupy the northern part of africa but botswana is in the south southern part of Africa, so the the Ottomans never occupied it, and um, it, it, Botswana didn't exist as a country during the time of the, the height of the the Ottoman Fake Empire. News, anyway. <laughs> Fake <Yeah>. news, Ernest. Fake news. So, like Ernest dresses up as an Ottoman and as like a hairdresser lady, and as his old woman character, and as uh, my favorite character, like a Teddy Roosevelt style character. Yeah, uh, and and they're all in quick succession. So the. And then there's a point at which the the little boy at the end, Ernest has a whole bunch of these characters again, and the little kid says, you're a great bunch of guys to Ernest. (laughs) And it's like, what? It's cute. (laughs) You're a great bunch of guys? So it's almost very accepting of Ernest's split personalities. It's cute. Yeah, so but it is strange because they what don't... a progressive movie. <laughs> Ernest scares Stephen. so ahead of its time. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So it, I mean, there are there are a lot of sort of redeemable things you can walk away with in this film if you want to find sort of biblical parallels or movie uh, movie references from other films. Um, but it also it does just kind of work as its own kind of dumb 
turn your brain off. Yeah, kind it's of, a cute. So. It's it's the kind of movie that I can envision. Like if you were to throw a party, it's a Halloween party. You got all your friends over. Yes, and no one's gonna watch whatever movie you put on. Nobody, because we're all hanging out. We're seeing people we haven't seen in months. We're in costumes. We're talking about our costumes and where they're from. And you just want to put something on your television. And this is the one you put on. It's safe enough for everybody. It's goofy enough. People will have fun because they'll laugh at parts of it. Not not specifically because of a joke, but they will laugh at the movie <laughs> right. for being itself. Um, and then, like, I don't know. The ending is just so surreal and absurd. Borders on British comedy with how far it goes. Yeah. Like, I think there was a point when Catherine just started laughing because she's like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> like, like, it's just, they're doing so much at once. I can't handle this. Right. And it's just so funny. So it's like, yeah, I think, you know, something I think about often having a, a movie podcast and, thinking about what to review. And even when I talk to other people and intro- when I'm introducing myself and they're like, Hey, what, what, what do you do? Like, what, what, what are things you do in your spare time? I'm like, well, I do this podcast. We talk about movies and stuff where Christians talk about movies. I think a lot of the times people are expecting us to talk about always, always, always like really important movies in the sense that they're like criterion collection stuff. If they even know what that is. Um, or specifically maybe just like, ah, your Christian movie podcast. Do you just talk about bad movies all the time, which is valid. <laughs> and, um, and it's like, no, we don't do that. Or even the other side of the spectrum, which is like, are you just sort of like on the pretentious tier of like, all you talk about is heady movies that are only uh-huh. shown at Cannes film festival and this sort of thing. And like, there's sort of this point when you just start to just watch movies because it's something you enjoy and it's not even your identity more. It's just like, you're actually just so secure in who you are that you just like what you like. Yeah. And I like just like how earnest kind of is this series of movies that like, I almost feel like if you were to talk to someone and they would just were to say, and totally straight face without any fun or joy, they just said, Oh, earnest movies are bad. (laughs) You'd be like, you would learn more about that person than you would have just someone who says, I love the earnest movies. They're fun and goofy because like that is like, I don't think anyone on set was thinking like we're making masterpieces. They were just on set saying, look, this is really fun. Like this is my job and I'm getting paid to do what I love. I mean, he was a commercial. (laughs) right? How do you go from a commercial to a series of successful franchises? That's insane. So like, I don't know. Movies like this. Love it. I love that. This is what we're reviewing and not like, I don't know the latest James Bond movie. Like, come on, this is great. This is good stuff. One, there's something to be said about that nostalgia, you know, those those films that we remember, you know, maybe only pieces of, and this, I I really kind of wish that the, the team behind Ernest had been around during the era of YouTube because this movie has so many Great. great clips, you know, yeah. that I've sent clips from Ernest to friends before, like the Electro Man series uh, section from um, Ernest Goes to Jail. I, I've sent that around for sure because it's so ludicrous and hilarious. Or there's a scene in uh, Ernest Goes to Jail where he breaks a pen in his mouth and, <laughs> and the ink goes all over his face and he's in a jury box. He's supposed to be like very serious. So he's trying to keep it together, but there's... <laughs> There's this black ooze coming out of his mouth and it's so <laughs> it's awesome. great, you know, and I've, I've sent that for sure. And so like it, even, even now I, I, it still holds up in clip forms. I kind of wish that they existed in an era of more short form video oh, totally. stuff, you know, just, just on YouTube. Jim, Jim Varney would have a podcast. Oh my goodness. He would totally I would podcast. listen to it for sure. I would absolutely listen to it. It'd be funny if he like had like as he's interviewing people, he's cutting in and out of characters and stuff. Like he he 
he he gets it is what i'm saying he gets right. entertainment he understands media he understand it's just it's great i love it um yeah i am this is another kind of like totally different thing but like kat and i just to kill some time watch some i don't know if you ever watched on adult swim the eric andre show no it's like an it's like an anti-talk show where i it's a lot of it's inappropriate, but a lot of it is like, like the introduction of this, the show is you're watching a jazz band play chaotic music and Eric Andre runs around set breaking everything. Yeah. And then at some point he's so sweaty and exhausted, he sits in a chair and then someone brings him a new desk. Someone brings him a new picture and then a chair is brought in and then the show starts. It's chaotic, yeah. but it's like, it's sort of that comedy that's so meaningless, so nonsense, so you you wouldn't watch it to to grow in your character so to speak that it like that's what makes it enjoyable to watch i don't know and i think there's something really important about i don't know it's so i'm basically ironically drawing on the fact that it has no meaning that that's what makes the joy of its meaning (laughs) but like that's sort of how Ernest feels for me and that's how this movie feels and also, it's just fun. I don't know. I wish this movie was successful in the box office, so then they could just keep making more movies. Because, like, it also has a nice set. Like, the set looks so much better than Scare uh, um, Saves Christmas. Saves Christmas right. is on a lot. <laughs> that's how. That's how bad of a set it is. It's just I will just shoot. Where, where's the universal lot? Is anyone using it between like eight and nine? No. Okay, <laughs> we're shooting our movie there. Like. I don't know. So yeah, I, this is great. I love Man. it. Also, the camera work. I I meant to write a note for this. The camera work in this movie looks really, really good. I don't know if you were noticing that. Uh-huh. There's like a lot of really good tracking shots and like conversation pieces where, yeah, the actors aren't particularly great. But like it has a steel, Steven Spielberg-esque of like 10 different people talking at once and the camera is able to track and keep you involved. I don't know. This movie looks good. There's a lot of really good shots in here, even though it's a ridiculous movie. <laughs> totally yeah. nonsense movie. I just keep coming back to it's so much a movie of its era, even down to the the idea that it's kids who save the day, which was a big thing back in those kids days. On so like, yeah. Kids on kids bikes. Yeah. Kids on bikes. Really, yeah. really big. It's sort of a, that's why Stranger Things is really nostalgic for some of us who grew right. up in this era because it that was what we watched. All of our movies mm. were like that. And um, so you, you've got that aspect, but also like um, the way that you defeat bad guys, even like they, they defeat the the bullies by throwing pizzas at them. Yeah. Which is like, well, first of all, who has $10 to waste a pizza? <laughs> on a pizza. Yeah, like on a tombstone pizza. <laughs> yeah, just throw <laughs> five pizzas at some, uh, these kids. You know, like nobody's going <laughs> to blow 50 bucks to throw them in. And anyway, not eat it. Like, come on. It. Like, yeah. why would you? <laughs> and what bully is going to be deterred by having pizza thrown at them? You know, no, but yeah. no, they're going to eat the pizza. It's not that big a deal. But, uh, you know, that it was like when you think about Hook. You know, they they would throw like eggs at the bad guys or shine a bright light in their eyes, and then they're done. It's like that's oh, that defeated that bad guy. Yeah. Like, what? You- or like it? I mean, they use a slingshot and yeah. it defeats the clown the first time. Like that's so goofy, but it's yeah. like that's what makes the adventure fun. And that's what um, there's an episode of the podcast. I think it was our to all the boys episode, which is strangely one of our most popular episodes i didn't know it would take off but it's that's the nature of podcasting is you never expect the one that you did to take off but there's a part of it where daniel talks about how like what makes sort of teen romances and teen rom-coms fun is that like 
it's what teenagers think they sound like. A lot mm-hmm. of the scripting is. And like a lot of these like kids on bikes, save the day horror movies is like, this is what we think we were like as kids. But like, really, we were snot nosed little <laughs> jerks who ate way too much food and complained to our parents all the time. Like yeah. we were not this cool, but we thought we were. And that's what makes it fun to watch. And um, and it's also like when you're a kid, that's what like I remember being at the creek all the time, fantasizing about like we're in Lord of the Rings land and there's a troll under the bridge and we have to get our we have to find the best sword and you're whittling your sticks and stuff like that. And that's just like, I don't know, that's so sweet to be transported back to that. And it's speaking in the the theme of so much in its time, it is funny when Jim Varney, a grown 48-year-old man, is acting like a child <laughs> and hanging out with other children. Because yeah. you need to have that one friend who can build the fort because none of you knew how to build a fort at 12 years old. <laughs> or have access to hammers and nails and wood. Yeah. And- you know what? Actually, at, there, was a, there was a woods near our place that I remember we would go to and we would always find we found planks of wood, we found two by fours, we found all this sort of stuff, but we never had nails. So what we did is we always just stacked it like, not even like Legos that click together. You just stacked it in a way that you were like, all right, nobody push it. <laughs> and and we could hang out underneath and we would go there when it was raining and it would work perfectly fine. Also, strangely, we found an axe, like a, a 100% bona fide axe that we used to cut down trees in the woods. I don't know what that was there for, but but it was there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's just, this is just a cute movie. I think right. that's just what this episode is going to be titled. <laughs> it's a cute movie. It is cute. It's harmless yeah. and it's good for the soul to have some stupid stuff. I, life is for the living. And if, you, if you're going to sit around and just ponder only the big questions in life, life can be kind of boring, you know? Yeah. You got to be able to laugh at it and, and, and take yourself not so seriously, you know, just enjoy it's enjoy fun. life a bit. And it's fun to be scared. You know, I'm a big proponent of finding appropriate scary movies for everyone to watch. Um, our last episode, Daniel recommended in his recommendations section, he recommended watching Over the Garden Wall, a Cartoon mm-hmm. Network miniseries that is just fantastic, totally age appropriate, and genuinely scary because every, every the whole series is dealing with fears, different types of fears, like fear of shame, fear of guilt, fear of excitement, or or even the fact that sometimes we want to be scared. There's an entire episode where a character is just like, I want to see a ghost. Ah, darn it. There's no ghost. I really wanted to see one. And it's like all of these aspects of fear are really fascinating and interesting to explore. And um, even now, I, I have a friend of mine who said, uh, he was like, hey, my kid's asking me, like, they want to watch a horror movie. Can you think of any that would be appropriate wow. or fun to watch? And I'm like, that's a good question. Because some of them are also just too violent that I'm like, ah, that like violence can be fun. Like heads exploding is fun. It just <laughs> is. It was fun in this movie. It's going to be fun. In other if ones it's too. a character you don't care about. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Or if it's just so ridiculous that right. it's like, there's no way this would ever happen. Yeah. That can be really fun and goofy. Um, and so it's actually a really interesting exercise to think like, hmm, what's a horror movie at 13 year old would could watch that wouldn't be too upsetting what did you say i'm trying to think i'm trying to think like well, there was i pitched becky i was like hey cat what about becky and she's like that's too violent and i'm like yeah but there's like no sex or anything and it's just a teenager home alone but with violence <laughs> like way more violence <sighs> and that could be fun but we'll probably not do that one but i think i think scary and horror stuff is fun to explore and even though Ernest is probably too scary in some respects 
I don't know. It's fun to explore fear. It can be. Yeah. It's at least good to talk about it um, because mm-hmm. that's one of those things we don't, you know, it's not something you get together with your friends and talk about. It's, hey, I was really afraid of this thing the other day. But uh, <laughs> but it's, yeah. it is a natural part of life, you know, living and dying and all those kinds of things and what what's coming after us. I mean, even just uh, it was when I was at that funeral over the weekend, um, mm-hmm. my brother and I were two of the only people that wore masks uh, at this funeral. From for a woman who died of COVID, we were some of the only people Oof, who died. Yeah, who wore that's a mask. scary. Um, and uh, people mm. kept uh, saying stuff like, "Oh, I no, I stopped being afraid of that a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of months ago, or whatever." Or I I didn't realize you were still afraid of it. And it's like it doesn't come down to fear. <laughs> you know, like, sure, yeah, you know, it was easy for them to blame it on fear, but it's like I'm not afraid. I just think if nothing else, bare minimum, it's it's respectful for me at a funeral for a woman who died of COVID to wear a mask. But do you think that's just talking about fear yeah. and even, even your experience with the the funeral, not, not entirely, but more just with the concept of fear. Cause yeah. when I think about like being a kid growing up and I, I just started watching horror movies. Mm. Um, I don't know if necessarily I was permitted to. And then at some point my parents were just like, okay, he's watching horror movies. It's too late. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, he's long gone. It's, it's over. Um, but I know a lot of people who, um, don't watch horror movies. I've had people say, how can you watch that stuff? Yeah. And I know my co-host Dan, he said at one time that he just recently was in a conversation and someone was like, how can you watch that? And he's like, Cause I like zombies, <laughs> like, cause they're fun. Like, yeah. um, and so thinking of fear, like, what do you think it is about being essentially afraid of fear? Cause that interaction you just had, my first thought is like, is it wrong to be afraid of COVID? Like, would it be right. wrong to be afraid to wear a mask? Like I, that seems pretty rational when I think about it, like fear is rational. I'm when I drive my car, I have a semi-rational fear mm-hmm. of getting in an accident with two tons of metal. Right. doing something that causes more deaths than like, I don't know. I'm not going to make a fake statistic. There's enough right. fake news on the internet already, but like, I like, isn't, would, isn't fear rational? Like what, what do you it think? It is. I mean, well, the beginning, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom as it says, you know, in the Bible. So we, I, we, we used to get into this discussion a lot when we made Christian films uh, because people used to bring up those verses about, you know, anything that is good, anything that is righteous, focus on these things, those kinds of mm-hmm. things. And so people would take those verses and then make them sort of life verses, um, but then couldn't deal with sort of the harder conversations that we were having in the films and even in my podcast. Um, you know, there, there's some little bit of pushback. Why don't, why don't you talk about more positive things? And uh, I, I think I talk about some positive things, but um, I, we're kind of trained in the Christian world right now uh, to only think about the positive things. And so we bring mm-hmm. in motivational speakers. A lot of our sermons end up being sort of motivational about, again, kind of back to the money, like it's okay for you to make as much money as you want to, as long as you have sort of a good heart. You know, it's okay for you to do whatever you want. You don't have to be afraid. You haven't made bad choices in your life. You know, your kids are going to be fine. God watch, God is going to bless you no matter what. Um, I had a friend the other day who said something like that. Hasn't God always provided for you? And I was like, well, yes, God has always provided for me. But one of the hard things is we never talk about how every single thing that's ever happened in the history of the world, everybody that's ever been drawn and quartered, everybody that's ever been, you know, boiled alive or tarred mm-hmm. and feathered or hanged or any of that kind of stuff happened under God's watch. 
Mm-hmm. Those kind of conversations are much harder to have than to just say, well, God has to give you good things because the Bible says that he gives all good things to his children. <laughs> right. Well, it's, yeah, but the, like you look at the main character of the Bible is crucified and you know, Paul is shipwrecked and thrown out of town and beaten. And we, we don't often like to focus on those things. So I think a lot of it totally. comes from in the Christian world, a lot of us just choose our sort of our favorite parts of the Bible and don't want to talk about the others. Uh, I mean, the, have, when was the last time you ever had a, a a Bible study on the book of Habakkuk? I mean, you know, <laughs> yes, your yeah. small group gets together to talk about that. You know, we don't. We don't talk about that kind of stuff. We talk about our own little sort of petty problems. Let alone a Bible series on anything in the Old Testament. Um, a of lot course. of the times it's very much New Testament epistles, which right. I think there's grounds for doing a lot of New Testament epistles, or at the very least, having a focus on reading the Old Testament through the New Testament's yeah. epistles, because that's almost what they read like. Is is this is a new way of? I mean, with the new covenant, it's a new filter, and the new filter permits you to understand things better. So I get that. Yeah, that's interesting because, like, I think you made a key point with this, which is this worship of the idea of positivity as opposed yeah. to goodness. Because when you say good, my concept of good includes sometimes weathering pain and suffering and fear. Yeah. Um, when I start to understand and think about God the way he says he is, it's uh, it does seem rational to be scared. Mm-hmm. And not in the sense that like, it's not the same fear as perfect love casts out fear. Like that's right. different. Yeah. Like because of God's perfect love, I have no fear of death. I have no fear in, in the cosmic sense of, you know, yeah. hell. Um, I'm afraid of dying because like that's gonna hurt dying in my sleep i'm okay with but like you right, know, exactly. a long prolonged horrible painful death i'm not okay yeah. with of course dying well dying in general I, you said dying in your sleep and then i'm like ah but like i would pee and poop in my favorite sheets <laughs> that's scary i don't but like you don't have so, to clean them up <laughs> that's right but but then people have to see me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have to see me sleeping in my poo poo that sounds horrible <laughs> how embarrassing all right, I'm afraid of dying of embarrassment or embarrassment of death. Anyways, yeah, <laughs> death is scary. <laughs> what a <But> concept! <laughs> it is scary, and and, and that's a hard thing. Even talking with my niece and nephew at my my grandmother's funeral about the fear of it, you know, and the not wanting to go up to the casket because it's very weird as a child yeah. to go up to a casket and to see somebody that you love there. You know, and yeah, and to that's talk, freaky. talk through them about that fear. It's it's something. It is a part of life you know, trying to get used to those things. And if we don't invite some fear, or at least the discussion of fear into our lives, when really dark things happen to us, it's going to feel very alien. Like these things aren't supposed to happen. You know, I'm not supposed to struggle with bills or my kids aren't supposed to make bad life decisions. You know, maybe I, maybe God yeah. doesn't love me the way he loves other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, when in fact, we've just been selling a very strange sort of made up cutesy version of Christianity that isn't realistic. Yeah. Thinking of like goodness being something I think is like, if goodness is, is God and goodness is freedom and truth, then thinking of things like, well, what's true? Sometimes things are scary. That's a fact. That's true. And embracing that, knowing that you're still loved despite the fact you're scared or you're still loved despite the fact that things are fearful and actually just knowing your love just because you're feeling an emotion you would consider categorically bad is really great. Um, this is just reminding me of an interaction I had with my wife once where she's working from home. I wanted to go get lunch with her and she 
couldn't because she was working so much. And also she was just dealing with the fact that there's so much work going on and she's really good. She's really bad at um, time management that she doesn't know if she ever has time. And so now she's stressed all about that. And I get disappointed because I'm like, oh, I really wanted to go get lunch with my wife. Yeah. Then she starts to feel sad. And she's like, I feel like I, I'm doing something wrong because you feel disappointed. And I was like, Kat, I'm disappointed, but you've done nothing wrong. Like you yeah. haven't sinned against me because you're working. Right. I'm just disappointed because like I had a hope of going out to get food with you this this uh afternoon. You're busy and now I'm just let down. And neither of us did anything wrong because right. it wasn't irrational for me to want to go get food with you because I love you. You're my wife. Right. Um and it's not irrational for you to be like, I have a lot of work to do. Um and I think what's interesting is we were both feeling categorically quote unquote bad. Like right. she feels sad because she just let me down. I feel sad because I didn't get to do the thing that I wanted to do. And for 20 minutes, because typically emotions last 20 minutes, for 20 minutes we'll feel pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Um but no one sinned. No one's right. done anything wrong. Nothing right. bad has happened. And you could even say I was you could even say maybe there was a fear that like if I were to ask her, she might say no and then whatever. But that's not bad. And I think oftentimes when I talk to some people who are growing in the faith or maturing in the faith is that they equate bad or judgment or sin with specifically feeling bodily bad or emotionally bad. And so fear is one of those things where like if I'm watching a horror movie, that means I feel bad, which means I might be sinning right now. I don't know if that's necessarily true because you're watching the Jason Bourne movies and those make me feel some kind of bad way, but no one's getting eaten by a monster. It's just thrilling and scary in that sense. And um, I, yeah, I, so when I think about something like fear, when it comes to horror movies, I think it's a healthy exercise of experiencing these emotions because one, it's all fake. Um, two, it's it's controlled. Like you can turn it off. That's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Because when you're in real life, you can't turn off certain things. You just right. kind of have to go through it. Oh, you're having a really bad day at work. You can't just go home. <laughs> like It doesn't work that way. And being able to weather through that is helpful. And then also when I think about how horror stories have been used culturally, Typically, they're really a, um, used in telling really helpful life lessons and life experiences because a lot of life is scary when you get down to it. Um, sin in a broken and a fallen world is frightening, especially when you read scripture and learn like, whose kingdom is this right now? Well, it's kind of like Satan's in a way. <laughs> like this is until the Lord returns and totally puts him in his place. Like you were living in a scary world. And uh, it seems irrational to sort of, I don't know, not work through that. I won't say it's, I won't say you should work through it. I don't like telling people like shoulds and shoulds nots, but it doesn't seem helpful to not prepare for that. And so anyways, horror movies are cool is what I'm getting at. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to summarize. <laughs> I should say I'm, I don't watch a lot of horror films uh, because I, I have a very active imagination and it, they don't leave me. Um, they, they I want to watch you make a horror movie, Chris. Chris Starin, I Someday I Cinematic Doctrine will subsidize the funds <laughs> of you making a horror movie. <laughs> I would love to. Yeah, I would love to. I, I actually think my novel is kind of a, is a horror novel in a way um, because it is kind of a, a very dark concept. Um, but in, in the, not in the hopes of being graphic or anything like that, but to try to make people think through their decisions and their, their, their worldviews, you know, 
push it a little bit to an extreme. Um, so I think that the, you know extremes can help us really understand our worldviews and kind of reshape our ideas. And so that, mm-hmm. I, I like to push people to that those extremes. And a lot of the, the films that I like or the TV shows that I like, they may not be scary, but are very intense. Sure. Or do that. They'll take something to a, a to the edge. Like a lot of the mm-hmm. Coen brothers films take things like just <laughs> a little too far. Freaky. Yeah. Yeah. And it maybe it isn't necessarily a horror film, but they'll push the envelope. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's the stuff that fascinates me. Th- thriller. I, I've said it many times before. Horror movies are just thrillers with a little more blood. Like that's, I mean, a lot more blood actually, but yeah. like typically that's the case um, because that's just, instead of it being like a psychopathic neighbor, it's just something completely not real. Right. <laughs> like, like a, I, I was about to say demon, but that doesn't work. <laughs> but like, a a troll. Yeah, totally not real. Like that is just <laughs> un- impossible to exist. And right. frankly, when you think about how society creates monsters and stuff, it's probably something really mean where trolls were just a hundred years, two, three, four hundred years ago. Someone just saw someone with a birth defect and right. was scared of it and then created some sort of myth about it. And now we're all talking about trolls thinking it's funny, but actually it's just something really mean. Right. Um, and so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about like horror, really, because sometimes I feel like I rehearse the same things when it comes to it. But it's also like it, it makes sense, especially when me and my co-host are big horror fans. I mean, yeah. we reviewed Candyman, uh, the latest one, and The Malignant, and both of those are horror movies. Malignant, more of a thriller horror. Even when I talk about Saw with friends, people are like, oh, this is just violent gore porn and stuff. It's like, well, the first movie is just a Dean Koontz novel. Like, it's just it's just a thriller. Like, it's not even that gory because it's a small budget and it's like in a bathroom. That's the movie. And it's just what's scary is that it's all about being trapped in your isolation of sins and stuff. And so and how things are interconnected. But no one ever gets past that because when you're talking about horror stuff, people start to check out, which is valid. It's totally fair. But maybe I'll just need to – Ernest needs to be the gateway. Ernest, Ernest Scared Stupid film? is the horror movie gateway drug. Oh, wow. <laughs> it might have been mine. It might have been mine when I think about like the first horror movie. I think this was one of the first that I watched where I was like, oh, this is so scary. Yeah, <laughs> He's abducting kids and turning them into dolls. Oh, yeah. that's scary. <laughs> I don't remember being scared by it as a kid. I do remember thinking it was kind of intense, but uh, or even like when I saw the beginning of Aladdin, Disney's Aladdin, and mm-hmm. the, there's that big scary like m- mouth of a lion that opens up and that's what he mm-hmm. goes into to, to enter the cave of wonders or whatever it is. I was like, that's kind of scary you know yeah but that's that's children films have been like that even the you know the grim stories are very scary things totally um, freaky yeah yeah that just goes back but uh anyway i i think it's it's worth watching if you if you're considering watching Ernest scared stupid it's definitely worth watching totally it's, it's sort of you can definitely see the in my opinion you can see the quality dipping down um, <laughs> yes. from, from Ernest Saves Christmas, Ernest That's Scared fair. Stupid, or, or, or Ernest Goes to Camp, Ernest Goes to Jail. The quality dips down a little bit. It's, it feels a little rushed in the script, like they maybe could have spent a little more time polishing it, and certainly could have spent more time casting it. Um, but it is worth 
a watch, uh, if nothing else, just to see how Jim Barney and Eartha Kitt do their darndest totally. trying to pull this thing off. And hey, if you're interested in watching it, there is a Blu-ray cut of this movie. If you did not know, <laughs> it got a Blu-ray release in like 2011 or something, which totally surprised me, but I'm totally happy about it because that's awesome. Uh, but I, when I looked it on, up on Amazon just now, because it had one printing, and it is I, I've seen good talk about this when I was when last year when we were looking up earnest movies to do and we did Saves Christmas and I was checking them out on Letterboxd and stuff. This one gets good reviews, quote unquote, as much as you can for an earnest movie. Um, and so I think it's now like because it's a Blu-ray release has a semi collector's mentality to it because I'm looking right now and the used copy is like fifty four dollars. Can you wow. believe that? Fifty four. And when I when it was in the, just like the. um the search tab before I clicked it, it said Blu-ray, $110, only one left in stock. Okay. Nice. <laughs> That's crazy. Nice. And then DVD copies, 48 bucks. That's insane. But hey, I believe it. I I like it. I think it's a good one. So yeah, definitely $4 rental on Vudu. That's where I watched it. can totally check it out. It's a good time. And if you have the Hoopla app through your library, you can watch it for free. That's right. Yeah, it is. I saw that it was a subscription one, too. Do they have all the Ernest movies on Hoopla? They've got a bunch of them. Yeah. And I think that they cycle them through seasonally as they're appropriate. Oh, that's cute. That's nice. Dory, would you have anything that you'd want to recommend um, to our listeners? Something that's like really good. I, I am a huge fan of the TV show 30 Rock. And so I, I would recommend 30 Rock. As I go back, it is quickly becoming my favorite TV show of all time, as far as comedy, because the the jokes keep coming. And now start with the second season, because the first season is really slow and and (laughs) kind of doesn't fit thematically. But the second season, like dynamite, just dynamite. Dynamite. So as far as I I really love comedy that is super fast, joke, 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 joke. And it like has hidden jokes that you get every time you watch it, you find a new one. So that's, that's 30 rock. That's, that's my thing. And if you like stupid humor, like you like Ernest, you're definitely going to enjoy 30 rock. Nice. But something I do, Kat, Kat and I do every week or try to every week, or at least more than once a month is we visit thrift stores. It's just fun. I find so much cool stuff going to the thrift store. So I'm 100% recommending you try and find one and don't just visit once. Because every week, thrift stores are getting a ton of new stuff. Tons of new stuff. The reason I have like over 10 Stephen King novels <laughs> is because they keep going. They're always in a thrift store and I'm finding ones right after another. And I find books that like I got, I got Ghost Set a Watchman, Harper Lee's sequel to, um, to, Kill, a uh, to Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Hard copy for $2. <laughs> that book came out like four years ago. It's still 20 bucks <laughs> like at Barnes and Nobles and stuff. Um, still $15, $20. And I found it there. Totally fine condition. And just recently, because I've been trying to find the Arrested Development DVDs, I found seasons one through three all together. And I think it's a Canadian release, which is much better looking than the American release, which does the cardboard wrapping, tiny disc sleeve, just looks terrible um, things. I have a My Name Is Earl one that just looks faded and terrible. And I thought it was just because it was left in the sun. But then I'm seeing other ones in other thrift stores, and they look exactly the same. So I'm like, it's just terrible. And I found this collection, and it wasn't just that it were the Canadian better releases, I'm assuming, but they were unopened. Totally unopened. Wow. I mean, this show is over 15 years old <laughs> and they are completely untouched. And so 
visit thrift stores, man. And especially now when they have all the Halloween, they have their right as we're transitioning seasons, you can get some really nice coats and stuff. It's great. And it's also just fun. You know, if you want to chase that classic Best Buy visiting a video store mentality, thrift stores are the closest you're going to get. Um, some of them still have VHSs. Ones near yes. me, not so much, but some of them do. So it's it's great. Uh, so one last time, Chris, tell us about your show, where people can get connected to you. Yeah, so the show is called Truce, T-R-U-C-E. You can find it anywhere you get podcasts or at trucepodcast.com. You can find my films Bringing Up Bobby and Between the Walls on Amazon.com or also if you've got the Hoopla app. And also on YouTube uh, if you want to go super, super cheap and give me no money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bummer. No, give Chris money. Go support his Patreon. Give me a little bit. Of, give me a little something. Yeah. But thanks for having me. Yeah, glad to have you. So much fun. Love your show. Can't wait to have you again. Sounds good. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once a month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.